Welcome to the online home of Providence Christian Church in Cape Coral, Florida. If you would like more information, visit us online at ProvidenceCapeCoral.com. Now may the Lord bless the preaching and the hearing of His Word. We turn our attention to God's holy, inerrant, and inspired Word. This morning will be in Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. You've been with us for the last month or so. We've been exploring the rich imagery of clothing throughout Scripture. And as we get to Colossians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul takes up this imagery of clothing in order to encourage a church that has forgot its identity. They've been assaulted by false teachers, and Paul uses this imagery of clothing to try to stabilize, to try to encourage, to try to build up this church. So please follow along as I read from Colossians chapter 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another... Forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts. To God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the word of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we turn our attention to your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be active in this place, active in our hearts and in our minds renewing our minds, shining light into the remaining dark places of our hearts. Most of all, we ask that your spirit be active in showing us Jesus this morning, that we might cling to him in faith as he alone is our hope in life and in death. We ask these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. If Hollywood is to be believed, and that is a big if, I'm going to grant you that, 
But if Hollywood is to be believed, the clothing options for our children and our grandchildren in the future are going to be very, very limited. Now, the most prominent clothing option, if things go really well for the human race, is the one-piece zip-up jumpsuit. This apparently is what all people are going to be wearing as humanity explores the stars. There might be some different colors depending on your job, but everyone will be wearing a one-piece zip-up jumpsuit as the ascendant human race explores the vast expanse of space. We'll all be dressed alike, apparently. On the other hand, if things go really poorly for the human race, the clothing options are equally limited, but somehow even more bleak than the one-piece zip-up jumpsuit. In these scenarios, a small band of human beings will have survived a nuclear apocalypse or some similar disaster, and it seems that the only clothing to have made it through these tragedies is either black denim, black leather, or metallic spikes. This is what our grandchildren will be wearing if they've survived a nuclear apocalypse. Apparently, these clothing options are resistant to fallout radiation. I'm not sure. This is what everyone is going to be wearing. But in Colossians 3, the Apostle Paul points us to a very different type of clothing than the one-piece jumpsuits of a human future in the stars or the black leather outfits of post-apocalyptic humanity. This passage in front of us in Colossians 3, it points us to clothing that God's people wore almost 2,000 years ago in the days of Paul himself. Clothing that God's people wore in the difficult early centuries of the church as the gospel spread through the Roman empire, often accompanied by intense persecution. Clothing worn by God's people in the dark ages, when access to God's word was limited and was rare. Clothing worn by God's people in the glorious days of the Protestant Reformation. Clothing worn by God's people on the mission fields of the far west and the far east as the good news of Jesus continued to move out to the ends of the earth in the 18th and 19th centuries. Clothing worn by God's people in the 20th century as they stood against the rising tides of modernity and post-modernity, both in culture and sadly also in the church. I hope you'll be convinced this morning that the clothing of Colossians 3 is the clothing that God's people need to wear today. As we face a society that is increasingly secular and increasingly post-Christian. And yes, contrary to Hollywood predictions, it's the clothing that our children and our grandchildren must wear until the return of our Lord Jesus at the end of the age. See, the clothing of Colossians 3 has epitomized God's people in every age of history. But we need to make no mistake as we look at this passage this morning, the clothing of Colossians 3 is clothing from the future. It's clothing from the world as it should be. Clothing from the world as it will be when our Lord Jesus Christ has finished his work of renewing all things. See, in the introduction to this section of the book of Colossians, Colossians 3, 1 through 4, the Apostle Paul makes this clear, that with the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, a new age has already begun on planet Earth. The future renewed world, what we might call the world of heaven, has even now begun to intrude on the world as it is, fallen and broken in sin. How has this happened? 
Because God's people, through repentance and faith, are united to the Lord Jesus. That's what we see in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. We're united to him in his death. Look at Colossians 3, 3. For you have died. Paul's not talking about a physical death. He's talking about their union with Jesus. We're united to him in his resurrection. Look at Colossians 3, 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We're united to Christ in his new life. Look at Colossians 3, 3 again. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're united to him in coming glory. Look at Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Because of things that God has already done in history, Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension to God's right hand in heaven, God's people are united to the Lord Jesus Christ and have all the benefits of his death and resurrection and ascension to God's right hand. And what that means is that we can and we should and we must live as God's people in light of those benefits here and now. Because of what God has done in history, even now in Christ, we are people of the future renewed world. Because of what God has already done in history, even now in Christ, we are people of the world of heaven. Even now, our life is hidden with Christ and God. And where is Christ currently? Resurrected and ascended, seated at the right hand of God in heaven. So as Christians, as God's people, our life is hidden with Christ in heaven. People of the future. So Paul encourages us to seek the things that are of heaven, where Christ is. Paul encourages us to set our minds on the things that are of heaven, not on the things that are of earth. As we'll see this morning in the next two parts of Colossians 3, where we're going to spend the majority of our time, Paul encourages us to dress as people of heaven, to put off earthly clothing, to put on heavenly clothing. As we move into the rest of Colossians 3, it's absolutely imperative for us that we don't forget just how Paul has introduced this section. Because this introduction makes abundantly clear that God's people are not called to put off earthly clothing and to put on heavenly clothing so that we might earn a place in heaven. Paul's not appropriating the modern adage, dress for the job you want, not the job that you have. It's not what he's telling these believers in Colossae. Paul is calling us to put off earthly clothing, to put on heavenly clothing, because for all those who are in Christ, we are already people of heaven. We should dress like people of the future renewed world, the world of heaven, because by God's grace alone, that's who we are. I hope as we move through this passage, the importance of this difference that I'm highlighting, this difference of emphasis is made abundantly But let's look first at putting off earthly clothing. Paul says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is in verse 5 of Colossians 3. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all and in all. So before the Apostle Paul gets the type of future clothing that God's people should be putting on, he highlights in three different ways the type of fallen earthly clothing that people should put off. He uses three different verbs in these verses to describe what he's talking about. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, verse 5. But now you must put them all away, verse 8. And in verse 9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Now Paul's repetition, this imagery that he uses, it underscores the seriousness of this task, the utter necessity of this task for God's people. Earthly clothing, and we're going to look at what some of these earthly garments are Earthly clothing cannot function as base layers for God's people with heavenly clothing layered on top. Earthly clothing cannot serve as undergarments with heavenly clothing placed on top. As Paul says, these are garments that must be put off and put away, or to use more intense imagery that Paul has here, these things must be put to death. Gerhardus Voss, commenting on a related passage in the book of Hebrews, says this. Sin requires special, radical treatment. It must, as the author of Hebrews says immediately afterwards, it must be resisted unto blood. It is for sin an easy thing to approach us. We always carry it with us. It runs, as it were, the race with us. It is at the same time the most dangerous and the most ubiquitous of our spiritual foes. It's always with us. This is an enemy with whom no compromise should be made. Paul is not calling the Colossian Christians, and he is not calling us to diversify our wardrobe. He's calling us to burn our old wardrobe. Why is he calling us to do this? Well, most basically, as we've already seen in the introduction to this section, because of the new identity that God's people have in Christ. In verse 7, we were people who once walked in sin. We were people who once lived with earthly practices. But that's not who we are any longer. We are people who have died with Christ. We are people who have been raised to life in Christ. We are people whose life is hidden in heaven with Christ. Our old earthly clothing no longer suits us. The earthly garments that Paul lists here, and his list is specific enough, and it's also expansive enough that we should all see ourselves in this list somewhere. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, Malice, slander, obscene talk, lying to you. 
I think it's helpful to see that, yes, this is both a list of individual sins, which we all struggle with to varying degrees. These are earthly garments that we've all worn at times. But if you read this, this is also a veritable fashion guide to an earthly age that perfectly describes the spirit of our age. Do an apt description of 21st century America? Look no further than Colossians 3, 5 through 12. What's fashionable in the West in 2023 going into 2024? What do we like to wear? What looks good? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. A perfect description of our age. Why do you think Paul could with such stunning accuracy describe the state of culture almost 2,000 years after he lived? Because the earthly spirit of our age is the earthly spirit of every age. Just as the heavenly clothing of Colossians 3 has been worn by God's people from the days of Paul and will be worn until the return of Christ, so the earthly clothing of Colossians 3 have been worn by earthly people from the Garden of Eden and it will be worn until the coming judgment of Christ. To the extent to which we clothe ourselves in these garments, to that extent we are associated, we are identified with the world. Now to inject a brief note of encouragement here, you may need that. You know what Paul's teaching us by implication in these verses? That while these earthly practices, these earthly garments dominate our earthly existence, so much so that we cannot imagine a world apart from these things, in the world of heaven, these things will never be a part of our lives again. Ever. Can you imagine a world without sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, and lying? Can you even picture that? Paul is telling us that world exists. And if you are in Christ, you are already a part of that coming world. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory in that world forever. That's encouraging. And as encouraging as that brief glimpse of the world to come should be for us. It's refreshing for us just for a moment to breathe in the fresh breeze from the ocean of heaven. That is our home but we're also not there yet. In the meantime, we're called to shed the clothing that once identified us as earthly, to put on the clothing that identifies us as heavenly. And it's worth highlighting for us as people gathered in a church on a Sunday morning that Paul's repeated call in Colossians 3, 5 through 12, put to death, put them all away, put off the old self, this is a call to the church. We can rail all we want about the immorality and the sin that's rampant in our culture, and that's true. We can scheme all we want about what it looks like to restrain sin in our society. 
to advance the cause of God in the world. Those are worthy ambitions, to be sure. But we can't ignore the fact that all too often, Paul's earthly garments of Colossians 3, 5 through 12, are garments that we wear in the church. In this passage, Paul's not calling us to be heavenly haberdashers, telling everyone else what they should be wearing. He's calling us to look in our own spiritual dressers. See what clothing we may have hidden in the bottom drawers to remind us of the old days. To see what clothing we may have been too lazy to get rid of. What does Paul say? But now, in light of Christ's death and resurrection and ascension, but now, in light of your union with Christ, your identity as a citizen of heaven, no longer a citizen of earth, but now you, members of Christ's church, you must put them all away. Brothers and sisters, what earthly clothing is hiding in the bottom of your spiritual dresser? What earthly garments have you been too lazy to get rid of? The Apostle Paul offers us a warning here. It won't be fun to pull them out every once in a while and put them on and remember what the old days were like. It will be destructive. Those garments are enemies with whom no compromise should be made. You shouldn't keep them around just in case they happen to come back in style. What does Paul say? It's on account of such things that the wrath of God is coming. A new world has already dawned wherein those types of garments will never be worn again. They're not coming back in style. They will be judged. While I hope the seriousness, the urgency, the necessity of Paul's commands here to put off earthly clothing has been sufficiently driven home, It's at this point in Colossians 3 that Paul reminds us that the destruction of our old wardrobes is not for the sake of gaining a certain standing before God. But the destruction of our old wardrobes is a necessary reflection of our certain standing before God. When Paul commands the Colossians and us not to lie to one another in verse 9, He roots that command in something that's already happened. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Just as Paul highlighted in the introduction to this section of Colossians 3, Paul reminds us that something has happened in history that has a direct bearing on what's taken place in the lives of God's people. And thus should have a direct bearing on how God's people live until the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ in glory. Now in this instance, Paul doesn't draw his readers back to the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. He draws his readers back to Genesis 1-3 to and back to the Garden of Eden. See, when Paul says that God's people have put off the old self, that can actually be translated the old man. In Greek, the old anthropos. But then Paul says, as we'll look at in just a minute, they have put on the new man, the new anthropos, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. 
What's the Apostle Paul doing here? He's alluding to mankind created in the image of God in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. He's also alluding to man's disfigurement of the image of God in him at the fall of Adam in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3. The old man in Paul's theology, in Paul's writing, the old man is Adam himself. The earthly man to whom all human beings are related by birth, infected with sin, guilty of sin. Paul makes clear that we as God's people do not put to death what is earthly in us so that we will no longer be related to Adam, the old man. But for those who are in Christ... By repentance and by faith, we have already put off the old man, Adam, with his practices. Just as God stripped Adam and Eve of the flimsy fig leaf garments in the Garden of Eden and clothed them with new animal skins, so God strips his people of their association with Adam, the old man, the flimsy earthly garments that Adam has provided for us. And God clothes his people with new heavenly garments provided by his grace alone. God has done something in history to put off the old earthly clothing from his people and to put on heavenly clothing for his people. And we'll see what it is that God's done in these next few verses, but also what our response should be to this putting on of heavenly clothing. Look at Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What is it that God's done in history? To strip his people of our flimsy, earthly garments, to clothe us in the garments of heaven? He has undertaken a new creation. To remake, to reform, to refashion a fallen world into the world it was always meant to become. As a part of this new creation, he has sent a new man, a second Adam to be the new head of a new human race, not clothed any longer in earthly garments of sin and shame and guilt, but clothed in heavenly garments of knowledge and righteousness and holiness. In short, Paul's alerting the Colossians, and he's alerting us, that the need that was raised thousands of years before in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they ate and they realized that they were naked and they covered themselves with flimsy fig leaves and God provided garments more suitable for them. This need for God to clothe his people in a permanent final sense, something that animal skins could never provide, 
has finally come about with the arrival of Jesus, the new man. God is clothing His people in something more substantial. Isn't it interesting? The specific aspect of the image of God that Paul hones in on as being renewed for God's people in verse 10 is knowledge. If you remember, in the Garden of Eden, against God's covenant command, Adam and Eve took of the fruit of what tree? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Hoping to become wise, they became fools. It's only with the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of this new man, it's only through being united with Jesus through faith that human beings are once again renewed in knowledge after the image of their creator. Associated with the old man, Adam, our minds are blinded in unbelief, our foolish hearts are darkened, but by God's grace, associated with the new man, Jesus Christ, God's people are granted access to vital life-giving knowledge about God and his world, about life and death, about earth and heaven, about time and eternity, about Christ's sufferings and his glory, things, as the Apostle Peter says, into which angels long to look. Listen to what Paul says in Colossians 2.2, what his desire is for the Colossians. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What a picture that is for God's people of God's heart for us. When God forbade Adam and Eve from taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, he wasn't withholding knowledge from them. He was withholding death. And what do we see God doing in Christ for his people? Backing up a proverbial truck of all the treasures and riches of wisdom and knowledge and pouring it out on his people. That's the heart of God. Believer in Jesus, by God's grace, you are no longer blinded in unbelief, foolish hearts darkened, clothed in ignorance. It is your privilege. It is my privilege to be adorned with all the treasures of the wisdom and knowledge of Christ from God's heavenly storehouses. That's what he's bestowed on his people in Jesus. As we see here, not only does God open up the heavenly storehouse to bestow knowledge on his people, he also clothes us with the heavenly garments of righteousness and holiness. See, beginning in Colossians 3.12, Paul enumerates the specific heavenly garments that God's people should put on, just like he did before with the earthly Garments, earlier in this passage. Paul lists compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, love, the 
peace of Christ. These are the garments that God has prepared for His chosen ones. For those who are holy and beloved of God. And yes, these precious heavenly garments should be on display by God's people as individuals. These are things that should be on display in our own lives. But we can't miss the fact that these precious heavenly garments should also be on display by God's people as God's people in community. It's not desirable or even possible for God's people to wear these heavenly garments in private, but not to wear them when they're gathered together. Paul uses the words one another or something similar to that at least five times in these verses. This heavenly clothing is displayed for what it is only as God's people live in community with one another in such a way that reflects our heavenly homeland. Yes, we're supposed to put on these garments as individuals in our private lives, but we're also supposed to wear these garments together as we interact in the church with one another. So that raises the question, would our church be recognized as an outpost of heaven? Are these garments so on display, not only in us as individuals, but in us as a community, as we interact with one another, that someone would come into our midst and they would see things like compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience, the peace of Christ being named among us? Would they recognize our church as an outpost of heaven? Now, that thought should be, no doubt, sobering to us. We see the many ways that we don't yet, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put these things on. The ways that we don't wear these heavenly garments, even in our interactions with one another. But just as we drew encouragement from the fact that in eternity we'll no longer experience things like anger and wrath and malice and slander, we should likewise draw encouragement from the fact that Paul tells us that the world above, the world of heaven, is filled with things like compassion and kindness and humility and meekness. Can you imagine a world where your patience never runs out? Can you imagine a world where your neighbor's patience never runs out with you? A world where we bear with one another perfectly. Where the heavenly garments that Paul talks about here are on display by everyone all the time. It's almost inconceivable. But Paul tells us that world exists. And if you're in Christ, your life is hidden with Christ in God in that world. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you will appear with him in glory in that world forever. Now, in the meantime, Paul gives some eminently practical advice to the Colossian church and also to ours about how we might be clothed with such things now. 
about how our church might look more like an outpost of heaven. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Pretty simple, right? This is certainly not an exhaustive list of all the things that God's people can do as the church. With a few additions, this is a pretty good list of the things that God's people should do when we're gathered together for worship. Now, in our Reformed tradition, ministry by the Word and by prayer, by the sacraments, is called ministry by the ordinary means of grace. And in my experience, when churches begin to move away from ministry by these simple means of grace... We begin to be in danger, not of being an outpost of heaven on earth, but of being an outpost of earth in the church. God calls us to very simple things, to put on this heavenly clothing as we meet among us. It seems to me as if the apostle would caution the church, would caution us, Not to explore the many things we might do as God's people gathered together, but to spur one another on to do the things that we should do with faithfulness to God and to His Word. Now you may have noticed that I didn't mention Paul's command in verse 15, be thankful, as a part of his practical advice to the church about how we might put on this heavenly clothing even now. Well, I've not ignored it. I was saving it for last. See, Paul mentions thankfulness three times in these clothing verse, closing verses. And he concludes this section with this command in verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think it's safe to say that Paul concludes this section with thankfulness because thankfulness is the only proper response if we've understood Colossians 3 correctly. Colossians 3 shouldn't burden us with a terrible weight as it challenges us how we ought to be. As if the main thrust of this passage is to call us into this never-ending cycle of putting off earthly clothing, putting on heavenly clothing, putting off earthly clothing, putting on heavenly clothing over and over and over again. And we'll only be accepted in the heavenly country if we've done this well enough. Instead, Colossians 3 should fill our minds and our hearts with gratitudes because it gives us a glimpse of another world. It gives us a glimpse of another world that we are already a part of, not because of anything we've done, but because Christ, the new man, has come. Because he has died, because he has risen, because he lives and is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. We're united to him. We're already a part of that glorious world above where Christ is seated. As we're united to him, we're already being clothed for eternal life in that glorious world above where Christ is seated. As God's people, our future is not ultimately in the vast reaches of outer space. It's not in the irradiated deserts of a post-apocalyptic earth. Our future is on a renewed and recreated earth 
under a new heaven, a heaven to which we are tied even now because of our union with Christ, a heaven from which even now we draw benefits, and a heavenly reality from which even now we are being clothed. Even now, we are having old earthly garments taken off of us as we're disassociated with the old man, Adam. And even now, we are having new heavenly garments placed on us as we're associated with the new man, Jesus Christ. As certainly as God stripped Adam and Eve of their flimsy fig leaf coverings in the Garden of Eden and clothed them with animal skins. As certainly as Jesus died and was placed in the grave. As certainly as Jesus was resurrected from the grave into new life, and as certainly as Jesus ascended to heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, even now ruling over all things, so certain will we be clothed in these heavenly garments and live in that heavenly world forever. May God continue this work of clothing us May he fill our hearts with thankfulness as he does that work, even now. Let's pray. Thank you for tuning in for today's message. If you would like more information about Providence Christian Church in Cape Coral, Florida, visit us online at ProvidenceCapeCoral.com.